What is going on, cyberspace? Welcome to the Hyperpixel Podcast. I am Michael K. And on this day, there is not one but two Ghostbusters on this podcast. And the other dude that is busting them ghosts, his name is Zarain. What's going on, Zarain? Not much, dude. Uh, I, you know, I have not strapped on a proton pack in I don't know how long. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't yeah. know where my ghost traps are. So, bro, gotta, I understand. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's been, I don't know. It's been a little over a year for me, too. Probably about a year and a half. Oh, yeah. I had a, a haunting in my attic here that I had to take care right. of. Right. Uh, but, but, you know, ever since then, I've been kind of kind of chill it's been it's been pretty chill in the house no green lights well, and weird things like that so didn't you and the crew uh the michael k crew go out to some woods and some castles and stuff and bust that's correct we didn't actually bring any packs with us that day yeah. uh we were just to be honest we were filming a music video in this haunted location <laughs> uh we didn't actually do anything there other than you know music video stuff so i'm i, I apologize to you know whoever uh, is is dealing with that situation there, but bummer. That's that's their ghost, their problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they actually did not call us. We just uh, oh, you know, we just oh, okay. we just saw that they 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 had ghosts there, and yeah. and you know we we didn't we just showed up and did our took thing advantage of the situation exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. hope somebody. Well, helps I mean, them. hey, it's part of the contract. You got to call exactly. I mean, who you, who are you going to call? Yeah. If you're not going to call Ghostbusters. You ain't going to get to Ghostbusters precisely. Precisely that. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, what's been going on in Sector X, Zarain? So, I spoiled this for you a little bit earlier. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I, I began the podcast before we hit recording. <laughs> record apparently, um, but uh, I recently acquired Final Fantasy VIII Remastered because I I'm in shock. That's insane. <gasps> <laughs> I realize you're getting close to the very end of this game. I'm sure. Yes. And I want to be able to talk with you, you know, mm-hmm. about it cogently when you finish. I, I would like to have a podcast about yeah, it. Yeah, that would be awesome. Cool. I'd love to do that. Um, and uh, it's been so long since I played it. Like, uh, like I was telling you, it's probably been a couple decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, actually more than that. Yeah, more than that. Because it came out when I was in high school. Um and so, like I, you know, I've I've started playing again since then, but I've never played it to like completion. Yeah. And I've watched like you know video games, the movie of it, and I'll probably do that again as I'm playing it, just to kind of keep up. Um, because one of the cool things about the remaster that you were telling me about, and it is really cool, is it's got like a a way to speed up the game three times, so it makes it a lot faster going through crap you don't want to have to go through and and traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could turn off random encounters, which I haven't really done yet because I'm trying to, you know, make sure I'm getting levels as I go. I do that the real way in the game when I uh, I just can't deal with it anymore. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's the uh, there's a, another setting. I don't know what it's called, but it's like you get um, unlimited limit breaks. Like every turn, you can take mm-hmm. a limit break, and uh, it does. It seems like you don't get damaged um, when when that mode's on. So uh, it's really. A lot easier and um like one of the things that was funny to me is like early in the game um there is a couple places you can see this you can see this kind of out in the wild in the woods and you can see in the training center at the uh, first garden mm-hmm. um you uh there's a um like the tyrannosaurus thing i forgot what it's actually called but uh you fight it and like the point of fighting it is to teach you to run away from battles uh-huh. like originally 
but I didn't because I didn't have to. <laughs> and so I'm like, and I'm going to beat this dude into the dust. And it took a long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because, and then later she tells you, you know, about junctioning magic to a certain mm-hmm. status uh, or uh, I forget which one it is. I think it's like strength J or something like that. And if you use the magic, this junction to that, then it's weak to that. And so then it would be really easy. It's uh, You have to bind sleep to it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be really easy to beat it. I still didn't do that. It's like I, I fought one twice. And it's like it takes a long time to beat this thing, even with just like pure limit break after limit break after limit break. If you're like level you know, nine, ten. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was interesting. <laughs> that That's why I got scared. I'm like, if this is the case, I know some of the later bosses like if that, you know, you'll, that are like very strong to like physical attack, but weak to certain elemental attacks. Yeah. Like, yeah, I could sit there for an hour beating down on it and beat it. But do I really want to do that? <laughs> right. <laughs> think so so like i need to start paying more attention to the junctioning and uh it's one of those systems that like when i first uh saw it and i I don't well we're getting into the final fantasy 8 podcast i won't talk too much about it but it it, until you realize what all it's actually trying to tell you to do in the tutorial you're like i have no idea what's going on right it's (laughs) what is this (laughs) why am i doing this (laughs) It just, uh, it's its just so funny to me that the game just, like, it literally lets you play it wrong for, like, l- the first half of the game. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Eventually it doesn't even force to- you to look at the tutorial. Right, yeah. Like, the, the, there's a couple points where, like, you, 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 you can, like, kind of first junction, although you could do it before then, um, where it's like, okay, here's junctioning tutorial, and it's, like, mm-hmm. going through it, and it's like... At that point in the game, if you ha- if you're not the kind of person to go out of the way to try to learn how to play this kind of a game, yeah, you're just gonna be like whatever. I'll figure it out later, right? And no, you won't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, you won't. Facts, dude. Yeah, yeah, I just got to a point and I just had to stop and just do a reboot in the middle of the yeah. game, and it was uh, look up some YouTube videos and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm very. Uh, pleased with the the remaster so far uh i think it's really cool like how the uh, we need to stop talking about this we need to have a final fantasy 8 podcast yes that's gonna as happen. soon as we both <laughs> complete the <this> game <laughs> and uh I, that'll be a good one because i i still i like the only final fantasy game that i've played to completion recently uh, i mean i've done it several times uh is final fantasy on the nes and mm. i really like that one a lot for a lot of different reasons not the least of which is the first Final Fantasy game I ever played. But um, I still think 8 is my favorite. And I mm. want to see if that holds up playing through it. Yeah. I also, what I'm going to do before we talk about it is I'm going to watch like Final Fantasy 6 video games, the movie sort of thing. Like the cutscenes and all that and, re- mm. and reread the plot. Because I know many, many, many people. If you get past the Final Fantasy 7 is the best Final Fantasy crowd... And no offense if that's your fi- favorite Final Fantasy game at all whatsoever. That's that's a va- all they're all valid picks. They're all great games in some way or another. Um, I just think that Final Fantasy VII is so overblown and so overrated because so many people that was their first Final Fantasy game, right. or it was the first three D ish Final Fantasy game, and that was a big deal too. And it is a big deal. Don't get me wrong. I think it's awesome. Um, I do. Th- I do really believe, and it's my honest belief. As much as I love Final Fantasy VIII. I really, truly believe that going this like 3D route was the death of Final Fantasy as it lives in my heart. Mm. Um, the 2D turn-based thing, that's always going to be Final Fantasy to me. Mm-hmm. But that's a different story. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I know many people. 
very similar to like how I feel about Mario games. Like 2D Mario is not 3D Mario. Like they are just right. literally different video games. And yeah, I, I I agree with you. Uh, and that's definitely not to say that 3D Mario is not great. Yeah, because <laughs> definitely there's lots of great 3D Mario games. Um, Final Fantasy, though, on the other hand, I don't think that there are a lot of great 3D Final Fantasy games. I haven't played 15. I haven't like really. I haven't really played 12. Um, you can't really count the MMOs. That's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Titus, I hate Titus. I'm sorry if you're a Titus fanboy out of 10. <laughs> I just, he's so annoying to me. Uh, and I can see how Squall's annoying to people, but I'll, I'll talk more about that when we talk about it. Yeah. Anyway, I think a lot of people think that 6 is the best. If you get past the Final Fantasy 7 is the best crowd, a lot of people will say 6 is the best. Especially because it's a really epic story. Mm-hmm. Really epic. There's a really epic ending to the game. Really epic. And that is really, really, really freaking cool. Mm-hmm. And I understand why people pick that. I just want to go. I want to go and have that experience to some degree without having to, you know, spend hours and hours and hours playing the game. Yeah, right. <laughs> Do the eight thing, and then so that we can have a, a coherent discussion about them. Yeah. Have you played six? Because I might have to I spoil haven't. six. No. Oh crap. I, I it's. Okay. I'm going to. I'm going to. Um, okay. But yeah, just not there yet. <laughs> I got to freaking beat eight first. Finally. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> um. Okay. Well. That's all I'm going to say about Final Fantasy VIII, but I'm Sweet. enjoying my time playing the game. That's excellent. I'm, I'm glad to hear somebody's experiencing Final Fantasy VIII with me right now, so that's cool. Uh, yeah, even man. though that I, I have taken a, a breather from it uh, to play a couple other things, and I'm going to come back to it. It'll, I forgot what I have next on my list after. So I actually started a, a different game uh, that, that one of our, our mutual friends recommended to me, so it's called Outer Wilds. And okay. it is a a space exploration game, and I don't. This isn't a spoiler because it literally says it in the description. Uh, mm-hmm. It is it is a space exploration game, but mixed with like freaking Groundhog's Day. So it's like a time loop thing where every time you oh. die, the game starts over. So yeah, you're like discovering things, and like you you end up getting killed or whatever, and then you know it loops back around, and then you, you obviously you remember everything. So you're uh trying to figure out what the heck's going on here. And there are a few other people in the world that this is happening to as well. So, Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm looking this up now because that sounds really interesting. Yeah, that sounded awesome to me, which is why <laughs> I shoved it in front of everything else that I was going to play next. So <laughs> I can understand. Uh, so, yeah, playing, playing that now. I think uh, from what I saw on... How long? Oh, this kind of looks like. Sorry to interrupt. This okay, it fine. looks a little bit like Subnautica in space. Yeah, uh, that's what people have said. It feels a lot like Subnautica oh, okay. in space. Uh, but like, it's it's wild, bro. When you like, you take off out of the atmosphere and you're just like freaking there, and like you can land <laughs> on planets and stuff like that. It's it's really, oh, that's awesome. It's really, it's like seamless. It's not like you know a bunch of weird transitions and loading screens and crap yeah. like that. So it's it's pretty right, cool. right. nice. Yeah, this may be a this may be a game I have to put on the list. Yeah, uh, I think how how long to beat had it at like fourteen or sixteen hours to beat or something like That's that. Not bad. So it's not it's not too bad. So yeah, yeah. and and one of those where it's obviously like basically open world, so you can spend as much time as you would like in it. <laughs> nice, but yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, that, that looks quite intriguing. Yeah, I. uh I'm definitely looking forward to to getting into that. So, 
Nice. So Zorane, the, the topic at hand today. Mm. Uh, so cyberspace, we are talking about emulation and all the different forms of emulation, software emulation, FPGA emulation, all this, all these other different things that uh, it, it, <laughs> I, I had this thought this morning in the shower. It's it's mm. like on a lot of these retro consoles, these there are emulation devices that you. Uh, put in that hardware like it's like an augmentation like a cyberpunk mm-hmm. augmentation for that hardware uh, and it's, <laughs> it's emulating something else inside of it you know that's a cool uh, a cool way to think about it yeah i just need like a uh, cyberpunk-esque shells to put all these these systems in with their their augmentations and everything that's right and then it needs a voice to talk to you right exactly of course <laughs> Dude, the the speaking of Cyberpunk, the Cyberpunk uh Xbox One actually looks really cool. They they released like oh, I haven't a, seen it. It's it's just it, it looks really cool. It's like yellow and like gray and has all the different like it, it looks oh, very yeah. cyberpunky. So yeah, Sure, sure. Unfortunately it's very That's awesome. it's expensive, but you know. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's, so man. I I have not given that game another chance since the week it came out, and it's gonna be really hard for me to yeah, it the 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 patch just to like totally derail this topic. The patch just came out for that. Uh, oh, the, did it? Yeah, the patch. Yeah, you know, the one they've been they, talking about for a year. The, the one that should have been the game when it originally right. came out. Uh, yeah. that one just came out. So I actually picked it up the uh, the PS4 copy. They were giving it away because you know it was basically unplayable. It was just like totally yeah. broken. Um, right for ten dollars, like the the it like came with all these different extras and whatever it was ten dollars but it has a free upgrade for the ps5 version whenever that releases which Mm. just came out so nice there's that so i'll play that at some point whenever i get around to that after after final fantasy 8 because yeah i'm not doing that to myself yeah i bought it on uh good old games um yeah obviously the same company um because I, I really appreciate their uh, stance on DRM. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the right way to go about things. Um, and I want to I want to support that. And I wanted to support them too because I like cyberpunk themes. I think it's they've made good great games in the past. Um, I I don't know what happened here. Like that's it's just they released it before it was ready. I mean that's all it was to yeah. it. And they kept saying that they wouldn't do that, but that's what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I that makes me extremely skeptical of them going forward unfortunately mm-hmm. yeah um that whole thing so <laughs> i mean good old games is a great service though i really like it um i have a lot of games on there i probably will still buy games in the future that's not going to mm-hmm. stop me from buying those things because those things always seem to be packaged really well and they have like community maintainers for a lot of that stuff i think right where it's not just them maintaining the you know you know um, DOS box image or whatever for mm-hmm. it. It's whoever you know really loves the game. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah, keeping it up to date and whatnot. So um, anyway, okay, emulation. Emulation. <laughs> uh, so when did you first get into emulations, Zoran? Because I I, oh, I know for me, uh, it was it was I think I was a. I was a freshman in high school, maybe either that or late middle school, something like that. And I got a Super Nintendo emulator. It was it was the whole uh, Chrono Trigger debacle. When, yeah, uh, I you know overwrote my save state and ruined my life. 
but just ahead. yeah, I, I got I, I did that and I, I just started downloading a bunch of games that, you know, I never had that I always mm-hmm. wanted to play or like games that I rented that I never owned, you know, stuff like that. And it was just like, yeah, holy crap, this is phenomenal. I can't believe I can just play whatever I want right now. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I um, that's a good question. I, I don't know that I recall exactly. I know it was when I was in college. I, it was not when I was in high school. I'm fairly certain. Um, although it would have been early in college. So mm-hmm. that would have been like, you know, 21... 21- Oh three <laughs> or something twenty one oh two, uh one of those years. Um and uh for me it was an NES emulator. Mm. Um and I don't even remember what all I had downloaded for it. Uh I just know that it's one of those things where emulation it hit me early on with emulators, and it's really kind of been the story of my relationship with emulators, is that as cool as it is to be able to play everything, it is like a, um, it's like a device that dispels magic. That's the way I look at them. Right. Because <laughs> there's a lot of magic in, and of course there's this nostalgia and emotionality around having a console, physical console, yeah. having a physical cartridge or copy of a game. Uh, CDs kind of do this to it, or, you know, disc based systems do this to us small degree to remove the the, it's like mystical right because you don't know what's in this little gray cartridge and all i know is i put it in this other box and i flip the switch and then i can play a fun game right and so there's a lot of magic around that and there's a lot of uh physical and mental interplay that creates an experience yeah that gets just kind of evaporated when it comes to to emulators and so that hit me early on so i never really got super deep into emulation mm-hmm. um although i still you know i i'm not against emulators not against people using them some people have like a kind of a moralistic or they think legalistic stance against those things i think those those sorts of stances specifically the legal stances are really hard to defend if you ask me um Again, I, I've mentioned before, I'm sure, on this podcast. If not, I will mention it now and surely many times in the future. I'm no fan of intellectual property. As an artist, I understand why people want the idea of intellectual property. But I don't think that it's really a concept that ports well to the reality we find ourselves in now. You know, um, you're, you're fighting all the time to yeah. make sure that IP stays to be a thing when the P part of the IP property really requires some actual literal scarcity mm-hmm. we could talk about an economics lesson then another time <laughs> but that's my perspective so it's like it, it's one of those things where i think that there's nothing wrong with emulation and i love that it exists i'm very happy that it exists because it enables new unique things this is this is why i'm such a, a person against intellectual property is because intellectual property blocks new unique things from happening a lot of new unique things from happening Think about remix culture, all of that stuff. If it weren't for IP, then remix culture would be even way more off the chain than it is right now. Like mm-hmm. way, way, way more off the chain. And it, we would have such wonderful creative things, an audio, visual, you know, movies, all that kind of stuff. People, a lot of people do it anyway now. Um, but if people, if people could do it so regularly as to be able to make that an engine to support themselves, whether mm-hmm. through like Patreon or something like that, legally and not get cnd'd out of existence I, we would see a lot more i think interesting things but with I, with i mean ahead. i just to interject there um yeah the so the guy the developer that did the uh the abgn games mm-hmm. 
uh, and he's he's done a few other things, uh, but he he started as a Sonic fan game developer. Like exactly. there was a gigantic Sonic fan game. It was like uh, what was it? Sonic fan games HQ, and oh, I, wow. I frequented this site as well. Uh, but <laughs> it, you know, a bunch of people just like sprite artists they would make sprite sheets for all the different sonic characters and levels and and whatever and wow um, that's awesome and they would build engines in this uh it was it was called multimedia fusion um Mm -hmm. the software it was like a a whizzy wig if you will uh but it was you could do very complicated logic in it even though you're just like clicking around and and saying if this then that and whatever like you you could legitimately build some serious logic in the thing i mean didn't you say that's what five nights at freddy's was made in i think it was actually now that you like say the that, original I, one forgotten about that yeah but a d- dude still uses the the newer version of that software for like wow. the stuff that he does uh, and oh, they, wow. they actually have like compile this for xbox or compile this for pc or you know whatever so so that that's really, really cool yeah uh, but anyway, um, so yeah, like developers like him, you know, and, and, uh, I want to say the guy that, that is, um, Christian Whitehead, he does the, he did, he was like the lead developer for Sonic Mania that he started oh, yeah. doing that in the Sonic fan game, you know, community <laughs> as well. So, wow, I, you know, <clears throat> that's just like, it comes full circle, man. Like a, a Sonic yeah. fan game developer literally ends up making an official Sonic game at some point. Because it's so good, so mm. yeah. Um, and, and one of the other things that really that I am to some degree, not much, but some degree involved in when it comes to what emulation uh, allows when it comes to to these creative aspects is randomizers, right? Mm-hmm. I I like the Final Fantasy NES randomizer. It's really cool. It's not just a randomizer. That's what I really like about these things is these are basically like ways to patch ROMs to make the game behave in a different way. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't have ROMs, uh, you know, people, you know, taking the image of a game into a file on a computer and then decompiling it so that they could see how it works, we wouldn't have the ability to you know, patch this code <laughs> to make it do all these different things. Like the all of the things that the Final Fantasy randomizer can do is absolutely nuts. I don't even know how it's possible. It's like brilliant people working on this because yeah. it does stuff like, um, I mean, of course it does simple like game genie esque stuff. Like mm-hmm. you can have infinite money or, you know, never take damage or, or greatly reduce damage, stuff like that. That's, that's not really too surprising because game, like I said, game genie did that kind of stuff or yeah. could do that kind of stuff. If not for that game, at least for some games. So you can imagine how it could be that it could be done. But that's another good question. It's like, how did Game Genie do it? You know, that's a different conversation for a different time. <laughs> um, but it does really creative stuff. Like, you know, only have three party men require it only to have three party members instead of four. Yeah. Uh, if you want to like challenge yourself, or only start with one party member, and then you can go and you can recruit other party members from certain ends around the world. Mm. About like, I think you have to pay money or something. I'm not hardcore enough to actually play the game like that, but. Um, it's it's cool, neat concept that actually makes it play more like a D&D campaign yeah. and is more realistic than, okay, oh yeah, you just all start together. Yeah, okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, and then and there's all kinds of stuff that that's like, you know, obviously rearranging uh, what, um, uh, like magic attacks that mm-hmm. enemies have, 
you know, uh, making enemies like just super easy, like making it where you get like 10 times the XP for battles, you know, speeding up the game, um, all kinds of stuff, turning off like random battles. Like, like, it's just so much that you can change about the game. Like, and they have a website that you go to the website and it's like pages and pages of options that you can just check on, check off set sliders, set values, all that kind of stuff. And then what you do is you you upload your ROM image of the regular game, you put in all your options, and then it makes it the, the changes on the fly, and mm-hmm. then you download the new ROM image that you play in That's the awesome. emulator. It is awesome. And um, the, the super awesome thing about that is since it is just a, an image, mm-hmm. you can play that on hardware. So you can get something like, and we can talk about what these are, uh, but like an EverDrive, put that on the EverDrive and play it on a hardware NES, this modified randomized whatever version of Final Fantasy or any randomizer. There's yeah. lots of them. You know, there's there's Zelda one. There's a Metroid one. Um, I'm not, I, those are the ones I'm aware of, but I know that there's got to be others. There's probably mm-hmm. a Mario one. Um, it's crazy, dude. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I haven't really messed with those enough. I really need to to do a little bit of research and, and find, find I, I need to find a Sonic one. I think that would be awesome. There may be, there may be, uh, but yeah, that man. I was just thinking about how cool that would be. Yeah, like I, I, <laughs> I, I think uh, like Sonic games. It's it's interesting, like how well like I I know them. So like yeah, out of all the games that I play, I probably know like Sonic Two, Sonic Three, and Knuckles. Like those those couple of games the best. So like playing some kind of randomizer on those that would probably break my brain to be honest with you yeah because uh, like even like playing the sonic jam ports of sonic 3 i was very very much in tune with oh like this freaking like block is not there in this version oh, yeah. it's there in the uh the regular one so so yeah i'll have to look that up i'm gonna write that down yeah man um and so that's just like a really creative thing that um emulation opens up yeah. And I really think that uh, we've only seen the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that kind of stuff can be done with like patches on PC games. That's pretty, pretty simple and straightforward. Um, because I mean, basically, you're just changing the code that executes, and that's what you're doing too with the ROMs. But it's like it's the whole barrier aspect of it. It's like you could never do that with a physical cart, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, because the physical cart was what it was. Yeah. No changing it. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that you can start to do that sort of thing, again, it it removes the magical element of the hardware and all that, mm-hmm. but it opens up this whole new realm of just, like, things to explore. Like, you can re-explore all your old favorite games, like we're talking about, yeah. in just brand new ways that really, you know, back in the day, uh, back in the day, uh, I... I don't know if they still do this because I don't really look at game reviews anymore. I haven't in a long time, actually. But like back in mag, I mean, when we look at reviews in magazines, like you know, uh, EGM and Game Pro and uh, Game Player and uh, Tips and Tricks and all those magazines that these have Nintendo Power. Um, most of them, when they reviewed, they always had a, a like broken down by multiple categories. You know, like you know. Uh, I don't remember all of them, but I know one of them was always replayability. Yeah. Because you wanted to know if I beat this game like in five hours or something, Mm -hmm. would I still be able, like, is it done? Like, can Mm -hmm. I ever go back to it? And so that was like one of the levels that they were 
related on. And this like just explodes replayability for games like yeah. Basically makes it a 10 out of 10 for all of these games. Like mm-hmm. you, you can play it as long <laughs> as you want to. That's so true. Um and that's just something that's amazing that emulation unlocks that I think uh, honestly if that were all that, that emulation allowed us to do it would be worth having all of this and fighting all the battles that we've had to to uh, you know have it exist mm-hmm. I mean it's really like Streisand effect you're not going to stop it now it's it's the cat's out the bag all you're going to do is maybe try to C and D places that you know are hosting ROMs or mm-hmm. whatnot you definitely can't do that with emulators because like, I mean it's like what what can you do there's basically no proprietary aspect you can't you can't copyright uh, or trademark or anything like algor- computer algorithms specifically mm-hmm. so it's like yeah, i mean that's literally all an emulator is basically <laughs> so yeah yeah it, man emulators have come a long way since i first started getting into like the ones that i originally used they were dos based yeah uh and like now you have like freaking standalone emulation devices and, and all these these kinds of things. Um like it's what a time to be alive. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> like all these freaking options for playing the same game. Uh but like uh as I have you messed with uh like a retro pie at all or like retro no. arch or anything like that. So Oh I, I did like like art like retro arch um on computer like once, but it was like I, I got confused because I'm an old man and I was like, eh, forget it. I'll just download the individual emulators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, stuff like that, it's, it's, it's actually very well designed. Like if, especially if you just have like a device hooked up to a TV and you have a controller um, yeah, and yeah. you're just, yeah. you know, trying to stay disconnected from a PC or something like that. Right. Um, it's, I mean, it's actually very well designed how you just kind of, you know, pick whatever core you want to download and, you know, you it's it's there and then you load it up with roms and then you're doing your thing um and there's even like versions of that that run on uh xbox one like it oh wow yeah you have to do like some kind of you have to enable like developer mode on the console Mm, yeah um, yeah. and download it not officially through the microsoft store (laughs) honestly or obviously but uh but yeah, so like even freaking on your Xbox One, you can run Retro Arch and play, you know, all these all these retro games and stuff. Is so there even a, like, a good huh? controller to do that with? I haven't messed with it, uh, so I don't really know exactly what controller. I mean, you can plug like USB stuff into it, so I'm okay. not sure how those controllers would act on or how they would behave. So I, yeah. I don't know. Um, I guess it just kind of depends on what the controller, uh, how how it's functioning. Like if it's what you call it, the if it, if it's like emulating the Xbox controller or not. I don't know. Interesting. So so yeah. Um. What else? So uh, then there's like the whole FPGA aspect of emulation that has just become a wild thing over the past few years it's like become a major buzzword and everybody wants to do this now and and all this stuff uh but i specifically there are a a couple so i I have a a few fpga devices um so the the mr project is like the big one uh and so basically what what the the mr project is is it is a uh, it's like an open source community driven project that is centered around 
have it right here. I forgot. Uh, this is this is my Mister. Nice. Uh, but it is uh, this board here in the middle of this stack is called a DE10 Nano, and it is a development board that its primary function was for college students that are getting into that kind of stuff. Um. And that was literally all it was. And people have purchased this board and they have started doing developing all these different cores for the board. Uh, it, I'm going to say emulating just because, yeah, for ease of <laughs> conversation here, but emulating these, uh, these different consoles and everything. So the best way that I have heard FPGA uh, or emulation described is that it's kind of like... Um, Imagine if, if you have a model where you can build a car and you have a, a Lego set over here where you can build that exact same car. So with that model kit, you can build that car and literally like that's all you can build. Like that's that's the only thing you can build with that model set. Uh, but with this Lego set, just just for a moment, imagine that you can build the exact same, the literal exact same <laughs> car. Um, you can build that car. Or you can take it apart, and you can build a helicopter. You can take it apart. You can build an airplane. You can, you know, reconfigure it to do all these, to be all these different things. And so that's kind of the what these FPGA chips are for, is so that a developer can recon can uh, program this chip to be another piece of hardware. Uh, and like really expensive FPGA chips, developers can actually use that to simulate what a PCB will be before they create the actual pcb so so yeah um but the, in doing all that that gives you the ability to uh literally be that device like I, you know <laughs> that, that's right. well, arguable I mean, I think it, it, I think, it makes but. sense to talk about why they would do that because one you don't want to have to go and print a bunch of boards to test mm -hmm. just to see that this isn't right right yeah, so yeah. You need something that you can iterate on quickly. But not only that, um, well, then the, the second question is, well, then why isn't everything just an FPGA board? Well, because relative to a specifically printed board, it's more expensive. Right, right. Because you can, you can print, you can, once you have the design of what, what components need to be on a board was what you determine, as far as I understand it, with an FPGA then you could take that design and say, okay, well, how can I make this the most efficient design by mm -hmm. making the board as small as possible or as cheap to print as possible, yeah. whether that be size-wise or component-wise, et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, but uh, that they run uh, like a, a programming language. I think the one that I hear talked about the most is uh, hardware description language. I think that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. um, HDL. Yeah. And, and but anyway, so these these developers in the Mister community are imp, are implementing they call them cores of these different arcade boards and all these retro consoles and uh, they have on on several of them they've gone as far as to like decapping the chips on these boards and literally like this FPGA chip becomes that board like they have totally <laughs> rebuilt the logic of that PCB in in hdl or whatever and they're you know when you load up that core like this this freaking thing has become that that piece of hardware basically um so the the only problem with this is well it's gotten a little expensive uh it's when, when i first got my board it was about 120 dollars and 
I think they are selling for almost $200 now just oh man because hardware being what it is you know in current times and all that stuff true true um but to get into the mister I mean really all you need is the the DE10 nano uh and the RAM expansion and some kind of USB hub and that's that's really all you need like the this this board on the top is actually a an analog output board so you can output uh, an analog audio video signal to like a CRT or a PVM or you know whatever something like that um and then i i have a a USB hub that's kind of like you know sandwiched into it to make it a little bit cleaner here but that's totally totally unnecessary uh uh but anyway so the the big thing now is like people <laughs> This this makes me cringe so hard. The uh, people who they just they cannot get their minds around the fact that somebody else wants to enjoy a video game on a different piece of hardware than the piece of hardware that they want to use. Yeah, and this is like this is everywhere. This is uh, Mister versus Raspberry Pi. This is Xbox versus PlayStation. This is console versus PC Master Race. This is literally everything. It drives me up the wall. I cannot handle it. Uh, like I just don't. I just don't get it. Um, well, uh, people have some sort of innate sense of the purity of an activity. I guess this is the only way to describe it. Like that means anything, right? Because mm. they they tell themselves these stories about what they're doing and for them it means this thing and it means this thing in this context of this story that they've told themselves yeah and then when they see somebody else that's not acting in accordance with it that says hey your story's wrong hey your story's wrong and so instead of taking that information and modifying their story Mm -hmm. what they do is say they flip it out and say you're wrong you shouldn't be doing that you're not acting with in accordance with my story and this is (laughs) even beyond video games right this is everything in life yep and uh, there's, they think uh, many people seem to think that if they can't get everybody else on board with their story, then something's wrong in the world and they got to fix it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's the cause of so much human, literal human suffering, but also mental strife, especially in this like realm, <laughs> right. because it's like, what does it matter? It's, yeah, like, dude. I, because somebody needs to get on a forum and has needs something to post about, and they want to vent, and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, that's fine, vent, but you're just making things worse for yourself. You're not making things better for other people, right? Oh man, just freaking enjoy your video games, guys. Good grief. Uh, I don't know. Some people, I don't know if they can enjoy anything in life. I <laughs> think they just actual, have that to That is be. actual facts. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so speaking of Raspberry Pi, so that's that's another... And I We, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but Raspberry Pis have become, gotten pretty powerful for, for what they are. And yeah. like it's literally gotten to a point where you can download a... A, a, a what you call it retro art like image and just mm. install it on the thing and it comes with like everything so literally all you do is you install that image on your raspberry pi and it's 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 ready to go that's <laughs> all awesome. it's it's good to go um so i i think from a uh you know if and i it's i think emulation has gotten like so good over the the past decade or so like I, you know, I, and unless you are 
very in tune with the way a game plays, what it looks like, what it sounds like, what it feels like, you're probably not going to notice the difference between a lot of these different devices that you play it on. So, yeah. So there's like, that. I mean, that's the thing is like I uh, uh, when when I was like seriously running Resident Evil Two, mm. um, I had started running it on uh, GameCube, so like the yeah. you know, Biohazard Japanese version the, uh, on GameCube. And that's this is one of the reasons I want to buy a Japanese GameCube because I want to do it on the hardware. But um, never once, and I mean, you know, speedrunning is very sensitive to how a game performs. Yeah. Never once did I ever notice because I was using Dolphin, mm-hmm. um, and never once did I notice any hiccups, any problems. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I I ran it uh, at least you know twenty times on on GameCube. Yeah. With the a ROM on a PC, and it's like, I mean. If you if if you're that paying that close attention to how a game's performing when you're doing speed running and you've done it that that much, it's probably not going to be a problem. That game mm-hmm. at least. Maybe yeah, there's other right. games. Okay, sure, whatever. And then there's the controller aspect. Yeah, if I want to play Mario 64, like what am I going to do? I have to figure out the controller aspect. But I mean, that's really solved for too because mm-hmm. I mean, there's lots of different ways to do that. Um. So I, I don't. To me. You're running the same risk. Uh, this is, and this could be me talking out of you know a dark orifice or something. But uh, you're running the same risk of of encountering a bug or problem with your experience now on an emulator as you are on something like a Mister. Because I mean, those cores have problems, mm-hmm. and some some games use the hardware in weird ways that maybe it's not it's not adapted for yet. You know, it's yeah, not. Yeah. The, the core isn't yeah, ready to handle that that right there i mean that that is that is the thing with the mister is like not every single core is 100 percent accurate right now i mean some of them are but not all of them are and right. you're gonna wind up with problems just like you would with a software emulator and that kind of thing so and people have been doing the software emulation longer so mm-hmm. you have more problems solved there potentially than you do with the FPGA stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really have a strong opinion on one way or the other which one I would prefer. Uh, now that you mentioned that that a RetroArch image for a Raspberry Pi, I'm interested in looking at Raspberry Pis. Mm-hmm. Just be prepared <laughs> to download a 500 gigabyte image. So is it really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they have different sizes of it. Like I think the biggest one that you can get is like five something ish gigabytes, but they have yeah. like 256 ones and. Uh, so on so wait 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 wait. 500 gigabytes yes yes what all is in that literally everything (laughs) like every game ever made yeah bro like that that's the thing with with this kind of stuff is you you wind up and i i don't know i i haven't actually used one so i don't know what all games are in it but like if you download a rom pack you know you somebody says i have every rom ever made in this package and you download it you're going to wind up with like 20 or 30 doubles of Super Mario Brothers and yeah. like all this other garbage you don't want. Exactly. Uh, so, like, for that being said, I the the stuff that I have on my Mister is stuff that I that has been curated by somebody and and well organized and <laughs> it is just like you know one unique image of a game. Uh, yeah. Versus you know a bunch of different like releases a, of the same a canonical thing. image, more, yeah, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. So. <clears throat> I trust their curation process. So, man, 
Well, we we need to talk off talk <laughs> offline about some of that because I've I've got I I want to figure out a situation sooner or later for a not have to sit in front of a computer way mm-hmm. to do all that. Yeah, and I it's the the mister has come so far since I first started messing with it. Like, when was it? Was it twenty twenty? Yeah, I I built mine like in spring of twenty twenty, uh, and okay, it's just yeah. it has like there's. Like even like Capcom, like CPS two arcade stuff. Now there is a PlayStation one core that is like rapidly nearing completion. Like (laughs) it was, it was kind of like in development hell for a while. And then the person leading it ended up leaving for some reason, like dropping it and handed it off to somebody else. And, and this, this new, I'm not sure if it's one guy or like a few people, A, a couple of these, these developers, like they actually have a team that they, they kind of work with they they literally like they have a patreon and like that's their full-time gig is making freaking mr stuff oh wow yeah and they like they have a team that they uh you know do their thing with but you can like literally look this stuff up on github and see what they're doing yeah Um, yeah so so that's really cool but um i my brain just stopped working there for a second i forgot where i was going uh, oh, anyway, so uh, like this this PS1 core has just accelerated like crazy over the past few months. Like it seems like awesome. Uh, it, it it seems like nothing was really happening with it for a while, or nothing. It was going very slowly for a while, and then all of a sudden, you know, it just exploded. So, I, and like there are constantly arcade cores coming out like literally every single week so it's it's actually it's it's insane it's it's totally insane um, that, no that's awesome dude like i i didn't know it was that rapid now that's mm-hmm. pretty awesome. it, it wasn't when i when i first started getting into it but it has been lately i i think since some of these developers have kind of started doing it full time and they're actually able to build a team of people and to help them out and stuff like that yeah, and then you have people that you know, like are arcade connoisseurs that are are like really into this, and they're like, "I will literally ship you all of my boards right now, if you build cores for them." Wow, you know? and that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they kind of temporarily donate their hardware to the cause and that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, man, that's super sweet. So yeah, um, Oh, speaking of the FPGA thing, I just want to briefly mention this. So there is, uh, so Analog is a is a company that they they make more uh, nicer looking uh, pieces of hardware using FPGA technology. So they mm-hmm. they have a developer. Uh, I I don't think he did their their newest console, but their their previous consoles. Uh, a, a developer, his, his hacker alias is Kevtris, and he's a, a freaking brilliant dude. Uh, but he he built cores for the NES, the Genesis, and the Super Nintendo, um, and so I have the the Genesis one here. So this is a Mega SG. Uh, but this is uh, the the cool thing about these is they are uh, so they they output HDMI and they are actually you know a console that you can physically put your cartridges in. So you can mm-hmm. you know instead of <laughs> going the route of having you know totally original hardware with RGB and all these upscalers and switchers and all this stuff you can you know if you're just interested in like one console like this then you know you can just get this and you can play your you know all your your Genesis games or whatever uh you know on an HD TV and uh, get pretty good pretty good accuracy and they have 
the the re- the main reason I wanted this is because it has a an attachment where you can play uh, Game Gear games on it. So oh, this, that's awesome. Yeah, so this actually um, can do that and Master System and what's the other one? SG One Thousand. Those those old ancient. Games. Oh man. Um, so I, well, yeah. now I've got a question about yeah. that um, because you've you've piqued my interest. Yes. Um, because there's only two consoles that I'm really concerned about, and uh-huh. I don't know if I want to go down the long, painful path of procuring them and upgrading them to RGB or <laughs> getting them to RGB. Um, yeah, yeah. What does that do as far as like upscaling? How does that work inside of that thing? So um, it's pretty similar to... I, I really need to do some research on this so I freaking know exactly what I'm talking about and not just throwing <laughs> a bunch of words out there. Uh, but it it does very similar stuff to like what the RetroTINK or the OSSC or something like that does, where it's okay. it's 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 scaling it, uh, it's it's uh, it's it's multiplying, you know, every all the, the lines, lines of the image, yeah. uh, and it's it's scaling it um, so that and so if if everything the, the the problem that you run into with emulators is when uh, it's it's scaling everything unevenly. Yeah. And then you wind up with this weird, like when you when you're moving, you wind up with this weird shimmering effect that happens, and it it really right. only happens when things are scaled unevenly. And actually, you can see this a lot in uh, like different official releases of games where they have, you know, it's like something you know running on the Switch that's very clearly running on an emulator, and they have what they try to do is they try to fill up the entire screen with the game. And it, it you wind up scaling it unevenly when you do that. Um, so so that being said, like the uh, the the retro tank when it scales up to you can do like a five x scale uh, over an overscan of it. So it actually mm-hmm. it's like it's it is a gorgeous image, but it's a little bit bigger than the screen. So you have to kind of position it a little oh, bit yeah. where you want it. Uh, but it's it's a freaking gorgeous picture. But anyway, the the analog products and, and the mister all, all these different devices that do that kind of line multiplication scaling. Like they, they do that, that same thing where it's like, you know, four X or whatever. Can um, you like turn on scan lines and stuff like that on it? Yeah. Nice. What, what is that called now? I need to make a note. <laughs> so the, uh, this one is the, the analog, uh, mega SG. Um, the Super Nintendo one is the Super NT, and okay, so the the website's analog.co, so a n a l o g u e dot c o. Correct. So their newest one that they they've just released slash it's like one of those pre order wave things because I just um hardware being you know what it is right now buying mm-hmm. hardware and everything. Uh, so the analog pocket is their their latest thing. So it's like a, a, obviously a handheld FPGA device, uh, but it you know it, it's touted as kind of like a a Game Boy Game Boy Advance. Uh, there's like an Atari Lynx adapter. There's a Game Gear adapter, uh, and it actually has two FPGA chips in it. it. Has one that is has their their stuff on it that runs mm-hmm. all those different cores, and another one that's a developmental chip. So you can if you are an FPGA developer, you can load stuff on that chip and do whatever with it. Bro. Um, and that one has a, a dock too. So you can hook it up to a TV. Um, 
So, bro, <laughs> there's that. Um, what is this duo? Is this a freaking Neo Geo? Oh, the duo is a a Turbo Duo. Turbo Graphics. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one is not out yet, and the NES one is. It's ridiculous. I, I don't know why the NES one is so expensive, but it's it's expensive and the, it's it's very hard to get. You, it's they don't just have them. Um, they, why not? I don't know. I, I, That's I, what I want. Yeah, right. I, I they they need to re redo the NES. I think probably I don't know. It has like all these different options for outputs. It has like analog output options and stuff like that. So yeah, probably has something to do with the hardware they chose for it initially. Um, they need to remake that one in the form factor of the the Super Nintendo and Genesis ones, so they are much more affordable and easy to get. Yeah. Um, Wait, this thing plays Famicom as well, yes. and Famicom Disc. Uh, I have pictures of Famicom Disc. Tell me that this plays Famicom Disc. I would assume you'd have to load up a, a ROM with like an EverDrive or something. It says that. requires FDS unit, whatever that is. Oh, the Famicom, the disc, the actual hardware. Oh, maybe you okay. Can, oh no, you can actually use that hardware on there. So if you have a Famicom Disc system, then you can plug it in there and use it. That's what it is. Oh, I've always been curious about one of those, but never pulled the trigger. Does somebody on. make an like a device that emulates that? Like the uh, <laughs> we we haven't talked about the EverDrive, but does somebody make something that's like an EverDrive that's an an FDS? You can that, like you just put a SD card in it. I'm pretty sure you can use those ROMs on that EverDrive and just play the games on NES hardware. Oh, okay. So the you mis- don't need an FPS. Right. The Mr. Core can run the disk system games. Um, the NES one can. So I don't know. I think, I think the EverDrive can do that. Don't quote me on that. but <laughs> One of them probably can. Yeah. So we've said EverDrive a lot of times. We haven't talked about yeah, what yeah. it actually is. You want to talk about what it actually is? Yeah. So uh, I, have, I, have, I have one for my, my, actually I have two. I have one for my N64, and I have one for uh, my Jaguar, which it's not actually an EverDrive, but it's the same thing. It's made by somebody else. Yeah. Uh, so what it is, is it's a cartridge that has a, an SD card reader in it. So you put an SD card in it, and you, well, you first of all, you put ROMs on the SD card. <laughs> and then you put the SD card into the cartridge. You put the cartridge in your console. And then when you boot up your console, it just it presents you a menu and, and lets you pick whatever ROM you want to load. You load the ROM, and then the game boots, and it's like you're playing that cartridge on original hardware. So that is what it is. And they're all, all, they're all different walks of life of these things. So the, the N64 one that I have is pretty basic. Uh, it was, I think it was 90 bucks, uh, which is up on the lower end of the pricing for those yeah. things. Um, it doesn't have save states. Like double that. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have save states or any of the fancy stuff. It's it's just literally like you put the ROMs on there, you load one, uh, and then to write the save data from that game to back to the the EverDrive, you have to hit reset before you turn it off, and that's it. So just keep that in mind. Uh, but <laughs> uh, there are all different variations of these things. So there are. Higher end ones, like for example, the Super Nintendo one, where you can load up custom soundtracks that people have arranged for these games. You can load those up there 
on this freaking thing and it'll it'll play those soundtracks like in the context of the game while you're playing the game so that that kind of stuff is wild um the so the the um the Tari jaguar one that i have so the reason i got this is because jaguar games are stupid expensive it's just ridiculous i do not because there's none of them they printed because like four of, of each yes. game. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so instead of, you know, buying a hand... And, and like the good, the good games, specifically the good games, are just dumb. They're just dumb expensive. It's just, it's just so silly. Uh, so I, I got this game drive for this thing. Um, I think that one... That one was like... That was 175 I think. That was a pricier one. Ooh. But, you know, that is like literally cheaper than many of the games on this thing so it's like if i'm gonna play more than the three games that i have over here you know it 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 just it just made sense so i i did that but that also has an fpga implementation of the jaguar cd on it so you can run jaguar cd games on this thing without that stupid piece of hardware that apparently fails all over the place and you know I totally oh, forgot that was a thing. Yeah, I I, com- I I frequently do, and then I have flashbacks to the AVGN episode where he uses it as a toilet, um, <laughs> appropriately, <laughs> right? Uh, but but there's that. There's the the Genesis one. So there's a Genesis EverDrive, and there's also another company, Terra Onion. They make one. Um, it's called the Mega SD. So I side note, I always get the Mega SG. And the Mega SD confused. I have to take a breather and think about what I'm talking about. Um, so both of those are, you know, SD card readers for the the Genesis, but they they also have an FPGA implementation of Sega CD, so you can run Sega CD games on your Genesis without needing Sega CD hardware and all that. That's pretty sweet. So. Yeah. You could get one of those, and then one a Mega SD and a Mega SG. Yes, correct. And play a lot of people Sega do CD that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people do that. Um, there, so this thing does have an SD card. What about thirty two X though? So, uh, you, ha- it's really strange the way that works, just because of the way that that thing interfaces with the hardware. Yeah. Um. So, uh. What do you have to do? You have to. There's like an adapter that somebody makes where you have to plug um, the 32x in the top, and uh, and then you plug the the EverDrive or the Mega SD into where the Sega CD expansion port is. Okay. And you play it that way, and it looks really I, strange, <laughs> but that's that's how that works. But that wow. being said, no, there's not a 32x implementation on that Um, at all because i don't know every everybody who's been involved with that just thinks it's not worth it there is on the mister by the way uh but that's besides (laughs) the point um but anyway these these do read sd cards too so you can actually there it is very common very easy to jailbreak the firmware and put sd cards on this and plop it in there and you're doing your thing so Wait 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 wait. Rewind a little bit. <laughs> yes. What what firmware do you have to jailbreak? The 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 official firmware for this. Uh huh. They. I don't know if if they they just make it easy for developers to jailbreak it, or if they're just like we don't want to officially do it, but if you want to do it, you know, go for it. You know that kind of situation. But every time mm-hmm. they release an update for this, there's a jailbreak for it. Like within a day or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you all you do is you just ins- you put the firmware on here 
you put it in, it boots, it installs it, and then you can run ROMs off this card. So, I still don't understand why they don't support that out of the box. I I don't, the whole ROM thing, uh, trying to distance themselves from that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, they're, I don't know, their, their they position. They certainly wouldn't want to advertise it. Right, know, right. No the, their position is, you know, they, they want to, it, it's very much a physical cartridge kind of situation yeah. here. So, right. Um, so that being said, like, if you don't really care about, like, physical cartridges and stuff like that, then yeah. I don't necessarily know if one of these is really that worth it, honestly. Um, versus a mister. I don't know. It just... Again, Larry David, Jif. Well, it's, uh, well, I guess pricing is what comes into play then, right? right yeah. I don't even know what those things cost, so... Um, last I checked, they were about 200 like I mean, but for a Mister, I mean, you're you're gonna pay if if the board's two hundred, you know, closer to what three three fifty to really get that up and that's running. Correct. Yeah. So mm. that yeah, bro, there's just like all these different variables here. It's like, <laughs> yeah. do you just want to play one system or do you want to play multiple systems? Do you care about this but don't care about that? Do you want to use physical cartridges or do you not want to use physical cartridges? If are are you totally in? completely psycho like me and you want to use all this original hardware and all this stuff. And like, I, I didn't even mention this, but just to kind of put this whole emulation thing into perspective, like if you want to use like original hardware to play this stuff. So let's just, let's just say the NES, for example. So yeah. you want to get an NES and you want to play your NES on your flat screen television in mm -hmm. ultra high definition. Uh, so you're you're gonna get you know maybe like 50, 60 bucks you can get an NES or uh, let's just say you want a top loader you just want to go all out and get a top loader so maybe maybe if you get a good deal on it maybe about a hundred let's just say a hundred bucks for a top loader so you you, you get a top loader you got to get it modded for RGB if you want to do that so that board I think is about one hundred and fifty dollars and you're gonna have to pay somebody you're probably not gonna install it so you're probably gonna have to pay somebody to install it so that's probably gonna be maybe another hundred dollars or so yeah uh so 350 and 350 uh you definitely need to get it recapped so this is another thing with like all this old hardware you want to make sure like if you're driving an old car you want to make sure you do a good job maintaining it so that it continues to last as long as possible so you want to do the same thing with the old video game hardware so what you know if somebody's already in there working on it they'll probably do it for a little cheaper so I don't know. Let, let's let, let's just say like fifty or something like that. Um, so that's like that's four hundred dollars, and all you have is a console, <laughs> you know, at that point. And then you need to get yeah. an RGB cable for it, and you want to get a good one. It's not some cheapo thing that's going to fry your equipment. So you're probably going to spend about thirty bucks on that. You want to get an upscaler. So you're looking at, depending on what kind of upscaler you want to get, let's just say you're going to go all, all out and get a RetroTINK 5X. That's 300 <sighs> Am I forgetting anything? You might, mm -hmm. you probably, if, if it didn't come with a controller, you need a controller. Yeah, um, well, if it came with a dog bone, you definitely get a new controller. Mm -hmm. Oh, and by the way, if if you, you know, want to play any ROM or any game imaginable on this, you want an EverDrive, so you're going to spend another $175 on an EverDrive. 
We're at nine thirty minus the controller. So if it's a twenty dollar <laughs> controller, nine fifty. So yeah, versus uh, <laughs> versus. But that's the good. That's with the best ever drive. At least that's the, right, right, right. There are M- other M8 options Pro or whatever. That, yeah, <laughs> don't do all the fancy stuff. And obviously, this is like going all out. You just like you want the best, the best of the best. You know, that's that's kind of what you're looking at. Um, versus picking up one of these some other emulation device or FPGA device or whatever. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you've reconvinced me on the mister again. Yeah. I, but I, I don't know, man, it's, it's this whole thing again, where like, if you're already part of the way there in one way, you know, and it's like, Oh, I already have this and I already have that. And, I mean, the only thing I have is I have a, a good NES controller, and I have the RetroTink 5X, which is sitting on the floor beside me. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> which I got that just for the PS2, PS3 mm-hmm. uh, sort of deal. Yeah, which but. looks fantastic on that thing, by the way. And and the only feature that I even really cared about, I mean, I cared about the way it looks. Don't get me wrong. But the ability to get it into HDMI looking good, even if it were decent, that would have been fine. Mm-hmm. The only feature of the RetroTink 5X that I care about and the reason it's worth $300 to me is the lack of signal drop when changing resolutions or the minimal signal drop, I guess, mm-hmm. when changing resolutions on like survival horror games going into the menu and coming out. That's literally the only feature. <laughs> yes. Um, that is a game changer having died many times playing games on the ossc uh, and i'm specifically thinking of dino crisis um (laughs) i got very good at pausing when immediately leaving the menu and waiting for the sync to come back and then unpausing uh that's annoying (laughs) yeah it was horrible i mean i got Uh, used to it but you know it's obviously that's not a desirable way to play the game no not at all uh but yeah that that works fantastic um, but I mean, you know, if, if you don't for the NES, I mean, the, the OSSC is fine. Um, I, I think it looks really good. It just, I think the retro tank looks better. TBH. So <laughs> yeah. Opinions may vary. Mm-hmm. Right. Nice. <laughs> and I, I can talk about this stuff forever cause I'm very interested in, if it hasn't been made clear, I'm in a position where I'm going to do something at some point, but I don't know what I'm going to do. Every time I feel like I'm going to take a step, I'm like, I could just play an emulator on the PC. It's like, I don't really have a good, like, you know, TV couch setup right now. Mm-hmm. If I did, it would be a different story. I'm going to have one. I just don't have one right now. And so it's yeah. like, eh. it just, it really boils down to like, what, what do you want to do? Like, yeah. Like that, like that, that notebook, that notebook, Jeff, what do you want? What do you want? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it, it we, we'd have to make like a checklist of all the different things. Like, do you want to use cartridges or do you not want to use like physical media or do you, do you just want to use ROMs? Do you, do you want to do like have more than one device? Do you want to have it all in one device? Do you? You know, do you care about software emulation versus the FPGA emulation? Like what? No is the answer to that for okay. me, for sure. <laughs> um, cartridges, the only cartridges that, I, cartridges that I really care about are the EverDrive. And that's only if I need to have them for whatever solution I decide. I'm not like married to having to get an EverDrive. Yeah, yeah. 
So, I mean, so Mr. Sounds like a really good option to me. Mm-hmm. That or like the Raspberry Pi thing. That's why you know, and I kind of piqued I, my interest. You know, with, with the Mr., like I, I said you need the RAM, but you really don't depending on what core you want to play. I would want the RAM. Yeah, you. I, I, I say you need the RAM, but you don't really need the RAM depending on what you want to play. Yeah, but if you want to, even if you want to do like a PS One game, you'll need it, right? Mm-hmm. And actually, they're uh, so they are the the developers actually working on. I can't remember exactly what it is that dual RAM sticks gives you, mm. um, but it it will work with with only one RAM stick. Uh, but there's some kind of enhancement that it'll it'll do if you have two. I don't know. That's that is freaking crazy. But like the thing, the thing about it, it is is the uh, the RAM stick is this thing, and it's plugged into the board on this side, and then on this side, this this analog output board is plugged in over here. So so like sandwiches together. Yeah. So basically, if you're gonna do that, and you already have this this older analog board attachment, uh, you're going to have to get a you're gonna have to remove that. Get the second RAM stick, plug it in, oh. and then somebody I've seen they're working on a, a different analog board that will allow you to. I don't know where the heck it plugs in, um, but it'll allow you to use two RAM sticks with it. So this one is not designed for that, but I it's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. yeah. I mean, but the, I'm not going to. What? Well, uh, yeah, I would. I would be very curious what the second one actually enables because like. That's a device that I'm playing, you know, NES, SNES, Genesis, N64, PS1 games on. Maybe PS1. Probably PS1 because I don't want to have to go and buy some games that I want to play. Yeah, yeah. You know, I uh, I would buy them if they were reasonable prices, but they're not reasonable prices because mm-hmm. it's collectors buying it, not people just trying to play the game. Right, exactly. If there's an alternative way to buy it, blah, 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 whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, man. I it's it's I hate being a collector and a gamer both because it's like I really want to play these freaking games like but I just I I can't it's this really weird mentality where like I want that game like I want that physical game and I want to play that physical game but at the same time I don't want to spend a thousand dollars for that game you know (laughs) yeah exactly so it's like this it just my brain is constantly doing this. I have yeah. to, I have to just like, bro, you do not need to spend a thousand dollars on that video game. That's just ridiculous. Right. Oh, uh, other two things, um, would be, uh, a Saturn and, uh, a Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to use the mister for. I don't know how good those things are. So I, th- I don't think a Dreamcast is going to happen on this board. Uh, they they have talked about at some point in the future uh you know when a a better option comes out to port everything over because this is actually um there was another project called the mist project that this came from that used a different board and this is an evolution of that um so i think i saw somebody say that the n64 is about as much as this board could possibly handle um so the N64 being more advanced than the PS1? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So. I feel that differently from the games I've played. Right? I, I agree like with me. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so apparently the uh, the second RAM stick has something to do with audio. Um, oh, don't tell me that crap, dude. 
like audio okay, stuff is like a, a, okay so it says that the audio may have a very very slight delay that will not be noticeable by a human <laughs> oh and so the extra ram is to make it 1000% accurate basically so that's yeah to reduce that you know 10 millisecond delay right 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 and so that that it's basically they're having to buffer it is what they're saying. And then mm. you don't have to buffer if you have more RAM. Yeah. So, I, and I don't know who knows the thing is still like it's in beta right now. So who knows what could happen with this, this whole thing. Um, there is a Saturn core in development, but that's not done yet. Uh, it's nowhere near as far along as the PlayStation one is. I think the PlayStation one has, it's been kind of the, uh, the, the center of the show for a few months now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, but speaking of the Saturn, we we didn't actually talk about this. So and, and so for con- contra, what am I talking about? <laughs> for cartridge based consoles, you got the EverDrives, uh, yeah. but for disc based consoles, there is another device that does something similar to that. So it's called an optical disc emulator, and what it is is like a little board that you well, first of all, you pull the optical drive, you. Literally, you forcibly rip the optical drive out of your console, literally as violently as you possibly can. Must be violent. Must be yes, very ex- violent. Exactly. If, if flames and smoke is not involved, then you're doing it wrong. Uh, but <laughs> so you remove that, and then you put this little board in there, and it has. It, the, usually, they have like an SD card reader. Some of them have like a little spot where you can plug a little hard drive in, or like a USB stick cool. or whatever. Um, and it interfaces with the console just like pr- pretty similar to like how the EverDrive does where you plug it in there you turn the, the system on and then it gives you a menu and you pick different ROMs or whatever in this case disk images that you want to play you load it up you play the game and uh, your console is silent except for the cooling fan uh, so that's pretty cool and in the case of the Dreamcast which when that thing is freaking loading disk <laughs> it freaking sounds like um that factor, like in at the end of the first Terminator, when he's like, you know, total, his endoskeletons hanging out or all that stuff, and yeah, yeah. like, like you can hear every movement. Like that's exactly what the Dreamcast sounds like when it's freaking <laughs> loading a disc. It's insane. Uh, but anyway, so uh, these uh, there is there are a couple different ones for the Saturn, a couple different ones for the Dreamcast. Um. And actually, the one one that you can use on the Saturn, you can use it on the Saturn, the Dreamcast, and the PlayStation One. Um, so that that's oh, wow. that's pretty cool. If but I, I I cannot get my head around wanting to move this board between those three consoles. That sounds horrible to me. <laughs> I got a question for you. Yeah. What are options for the Saturn that aren't that? Are there any? Is there even an emulator for Saturn? Um, that are not using hardware. It doesn't matter. They aren't using the original hardware. So like the <laughs> optical disc emulator is an option, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have to go and buy all these really expensive Saturn games. Yeah. So there's is there there's yeah. that. There is another one. It's called the Satiator, I believe, is what that's called. <laughs> and it, it actually plugs into. There's an expansion port on the back of the Saturn, like where the um where it has like the little watch battery in the back for the memory. Uh-huh. So you open up that port and you plug this in there. It was, it was something, 
It was something for like video discs, some kind of like expansion for video discs. I can't remember exactly what it's for, but somebody actually uh, developed like some workaround for the system uh, to be able to inject uh, uh, disc images through that port. Oh, wow. So it's it's just this little box. It looks like a little cartridge thing, and you just plug it in the back, and you put disc images on it. And so that actually is the least destructive way because we've already established that you have to literally light this thing on fire to pull the disc drive out. Yeah. Um, so that when you have that thing in there, you can actually still play discs in the thing uh, or load the, the images off that. So That's awesome. So that's pretty cool. Is there a way that to do it uh, without the original hardware? Uh, like, so there's, there's that Mr. Core that's in development. I have no idea what the story is with that. Um, yeah. There is, I, I believe, like the PC emulation on it, it is actually pretty good now. Okay. Um, I know that it wasn't for a long time. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I believe that it's pretty good now. I haven't actually messed with it. So. Interesting. Cannot confirm. I need to look not. at it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, man, I don't know. Every time we talk about this, I go in circles. You know how that is. Yeah. Um, it's this thing where you just get paralysis from all the different options. And yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, f- for me, like I, so I've, I've had a lot of this hardware for a long time and I had everything. Well, most things hooked up with S video cables for many years and my S video switcher died. <clears throat> this was like five or six years ago. And I was like, okay, I need to get another S-Video switch. And I just freaking couldn't find one. Like, I literally could not find one. Wow. Uh, like, on you know on Amazon or something like that. Uh, versus buying some used thing. And I, I, I started doing some research on it. And it's like, yeah, you really want, like, a switcher? Like, the ones that I had were passive. Like, they were not, like, powered switchers. Like, you want, yeah. in analog video audio world, you really want a powered switcher. So you're right. not, you know... You know, all that stuff. So anyway, um, so I started doing some research on it and then people were like, well, there's this RGB thing that you can get into. And I was like, holy crap, that's, that's a lot of money. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then I realized, well, I'm probably not going to be happy unless I just go ahead and do it. And to be honest, it's going to be a really, really slow processed process anyway. So I guess I'm just doing this. So I, it was multiple years of collecting cables and different individual pieces and whatever uh so it wasn't like i went out one day and bought all this stuff like that would have been insane but it was a very very slow process you have way more fortitude around all that than i do yeah um i i just i i can't i just literally came to the conclusion i'm literally not going to be happy with whatever i do unless i do this so yeah and pretty pleased with it pretty pleased with it it's an it's an impressive uh, setup and rig that you have. There's no doubt about that. Well, thank you, thank you, Zering, and uh, and I, I love all this gaming hardware, and so I have random things like uh, like this also <laughs> hooked up. So yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think I have anything else to talk about emulation at the moment. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I could sit and talk and ask questions for actually for eons, but. That's a different story. I think that everything would be kind of looping back around and, you know, everything mm-hmm. like, okay, I get it. Right, right. You're shopping. Um, 
yeah, we'll have to we'll uh we'll return to the whole ROM hack, randomizer, yeah. all that stuff very soon. Wink Indeed. wink hint hint. <laughs> so Zarane. Zarane, uh so let's just say somebody was like, heck, Zarane is really cool, and I want to know what the heck he's doing out there in cyberspace land. Uh what 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 is that cyberspace hacker to do with their pointing fingers? Uh, the first thing that they're going to do uh, is go to google.com and uh, put in a search that says, what am I doing with my life? And then yeah, hit return. Yeah. Hit, I'm feeling lucky, actually. Um, <laughs> and then it's just, really and then whenever you do that, it's just a picture of you like coming down a slip and slide out the screen like. <laughs> uh, but you can actually get, well, you could do that if you want to. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to do that afterwards to actually see what happens. But. <laughs> Uh, you can go to zerain.net, x-e-r-a-e-n.net, and that will take you to a list of links of all the things that I'm doing, mm-hmm. and uh, that's 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 it. Yeah, go there. Very Please. very cool. And and likewise, if you go to michaelk.net/links, there's a list of all the things that I do, and Zerain is also very involved in. And if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, this is also on the YouTubles if you're interested in watching our faces while we discuss these things. So you can go to hyperpixelpodcast.net and it, it has all that stuff there neatly presented for you in front of your face. Indeed. Oh. Well, Zerain, it's been excellent. It has. It's been a fantastic conversation. Really enjoyed it. Cyberspace, thank you so much thank for joining you. us. It has been phenomenal. And we will see you next time out there in cyberspace land. Peace. Peace.